a technician will spend, maybe go to a trade school, spend nine months. They take the first three to five years learning the trade, getting really good at it, and mastering that skill. And then they spend the rest of their lives trying to get out of it because it's not an easy job. No one wants to be in a 160-degree attic in Phoenix, Arizona, when you're 60 years old. This is To The Point. A rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Okay, so talking about a few legends, I thought, you know what? Let's have a fireside chat with a few legends and one who is attending his first Rhino X. So I'm incredibly excited to have even gotten him here all the way from the from the East Coast. Uh, but these are two Goliaths. We've got Paul Kelly coming back again from Parker and Sons, another behemoth right here in the Valley of the Sun. We got Jonathan Van- Jonathan. Bancroft from Morris Jenkins. If you never heard of it, you know, ask Mr. Jenkins. But I thought, let's do something different than put them on a panel. Because when you put too many legends on one panel, they can't all answer the questions and they all want to answer the questions. So I thought, let's do something unique. And I know, you know what? Paul likes to do a few things. He likes at home services a little bit, but he really likes to do a couple things more. One, he loves to dance, which you'll see during Flow Rider tonight. Two is he likes to have a, a nice cocktail. Is that fair, Paul? All right. So I thought, you know what? These are two really smart individuals, and rather than me interview them, why not let these old boys interview themselves with a nice drink by a nice warm fire that I bet you guys wish would have been here working realistically in the first half of the day. It's a little chilly. But without further ado, I want to welcome up these two legends of the trade. It's going down for it. Oh, he gets us to Ryan, you ready for that? They're on. They're on layup. Okay, I need two of the handhelds, please. Or you guys are lobbed up, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're mic'd up. Go ahead and take a seat. Well, we and I'm drinks. gonna go ahead and get your drinks. Okay. okay. Oh my gosh. This is my uh, presentation style. Don't say anything ish in a rocking chair. With a yeah. with a drink coming. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> oh, look at this. All right. Wait, wait a minute. Uh, I think we got them backwards. Yeah, we got backwards. Yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> All right, cheers, cheers. Cheers. Woo. That's a good one. Yeah, not bad. All right. Well, hey, thank you for uh, when you were talking. I realized what you're really doing here, Chris, is you have all these goats here and uh, you bring goats in like young goats, kids. I think a kid is a, a young goat, isn't it? And, uh, and then you really like have a goat farm here. That's really what you're yeah. doing. So you're raising goats. So I think that's kind of a neat concept. I don't know how that goes with the rhino, but put that on your business card. Cause I'm, you, a, I'm a fan. You are raising a lot of goats. Yeah. I never looked at it like that. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you hear that? He said, that's bad. <laughs> Well, hey, we'll uh, we'll start off. I've got I've got some questions, but one of the things uh, you know, I don't know if everyone knows about Morris Jenkins. They've certainly heard of you and your company. You're probably one of the premier companies in our industry. I know you and I knew of each other, but didn't really know each other prior to Wrench. In that process, we started a little group issues in it. 
us two, uh, Kevin Comerford, Daryl from Parker and Sons. But we have this little group, and I would tell you that this man sitting right next to me is one of the best operators in our industry and one of the best thinkers, which when I meet someone, it's all about thinking because I feel like if, if I can learn from a good thinker, he'll make me a better thinker. A lot of people can tell me what to do or how to do it, but if they can teach me how to think, that goes a long way. So you want to tell them a little bit about your story, and then I'll tell them a little bit about mine. Just Yeah, sure. Well, well, thanks, Paul, and it's, it's a pleasure to be here. I've heard about this event. Uh, I've been a fan of uh, Chris Yano and from afar, and uh, we did his podcast, and uh, he quickly... Uh, Got me nailed down to come to this and uh, no regrets. So, man, I just, I have a Mount Rushmore of the goats that are, are just personal to me. Uh, Paul Kelly is on my Mount Rushmore. Even though I haven't known you for years, I, I knew of you. And I, I, we ad- idolized you and followed you. And the really cool thing for me is uh, there's other Mount Rushmore folks my R- Mount Rushmore in this room. So to be in one room, intimate setting, probably less than 100 people, it's really, really cool. This is the premier event, the go-to event, the uh, the top of the mountain in our industry. There's a lot of power in this room. So uh, I just celebrated my 25th year at Marsh Jenkins. I started on January 11th, 1999. Uh, I was in desperation, a young man in my early 20s. And uh, Man, out of money, th- tens of thousands of dollars in, in debt, trying to fund a college education in and out, just couldn't find my way. And man, I needed a job. And I found myself at Dewey Jenkins' doorstep. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. In fact, for the first few weeks, he didn't know me. Uh, I was uh, learning how to be, I was a, an apprentice to be a coil scrubber, uh, a maintenance tech. And so I literally started there at nine bucks an hour in 1999. And I've always just followed and, and done what he asked me to do. And uh, I was very, very blessed to find myself at his, his doorstep. One of the smartest individuals I've ever met, IQ, but more important than that, uh, his level of emotional intelligence is unlike anyone I've ever seen before. And so um, I'm here standing on the shoulder of my, my, my biggest giant, and that's certainly Dewey Jenkins. And um, he's been instrumental in and building an organization that will truly last. Uh, it, it's a great organization full of great people, um, and it's going to be really hard to knock that down with. Uh, the things, the fundamentals, and the ideas that he, have, he has instilled and the people that he has believed in, and then to not micromanage it, but to let go and let the creativity and the inspiration of those folks actually run the business. It's just been a, a, an epic example. So... Well, you've, uh, you've certainly done him proud, I can tell you that much. My background is, uh, was in accounting. Uh, I'm a CPA. I ended up, after auditing, working for uh, Rotorooter in accounting. Then went from accounting to marketing to operations to uh, leadership. Ended up going from uh, Rotorooter to Service America to Blue Dot to Parker & Sons, buying Parker & Sons in 2004 to the wrench group. Uh, and now I'm in more of a semi-retired working, uh, 30 hours or so a week consulting and, uh, and helping the wrench group and doing a few things like this. So it's been, it's been a wild ride. So I know, I know Morris Jenkins does so many things well, but what do you think you do better than anybody else? 
Uh, that's a big question. Uh, I think one of the things that we've done well is I'm, a, I'm an air conditioning guy, and I am damn proud of it. I love our trades. It's created just a tremendous amount of wealth and happiness. So don't take out of context what I say next. But I think what we've done very well is we don't think of ourselves as an HVAC plumbing or an electrical company. Uh, we think of ourselves as innovators of change and ideas. We put our core purpose truly at the front of everything that our thought and our actions are around. Our core purpose is to make it easy for the customer to do business with us. So we're always, we're just very radical and uh, we don't follow the norms about doing those things. And as such, I, I think that our identity, when you ask uh, the members at Morris Jenkins what it is that this company, Morris Jenkins, does, I think that HVAC, plumbing, electrical would come way down the list. Uh, and that actually, that makes me proud. And I think that that's part of what I saw and learned from Dewey Jenkins and has helped us individually and collectively be good thought leaders and push the envelope and question things and analyze things and try things, fail miserably, fall down, break your nose, get back up, dust off, try it again in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm always like for me at, at Parker and Sons, it's like, what do we do better than anybody else? I wouldn't say we do anything really. It, uh, there's people in this room that I would say do so many things way better than we do. What we do well, though, is we put it all together. And uh, sometimes Daryl and I talk about this. Daryl's now the president of uh, Parker and Sons, but he, uh, we're always amazed sometimes of how we went from this $7 million company to this $250 million company, including Tucson, and made great money along the way. And yet everything that we look at in our business seems to be broke at any one time, right? And we're amazed that how are we doing so damn well? And uh, it's funny because as much as we critique ourselves, we, we still do things pretty well. But, uh, but there is when you get as large as some of the people in this room and the companies that you oversee, there's always something broke, isn't there? Uh, and there's always something to fix, and there's always somebody doing something better than you are. And coming to these things makes me realize, I mean, just Terry's talk this morning, I, it started to hit home, like, you know, some of the things that, that we could be so much better at if only we, you know, focused on them. So, yeah, and I think that's important that, uh, you know, there's the adventure of always having something to, work on and get better at. We don't think we're perfect or the best at really anything. We're very critical of ourselves. Um, I took a lot away from the start of this morning as well. I, I have multi multiple pages of notes and a lot of the folks that have been up here, I've heard before or read their book and been around them. And uh, yet I, I, I'm already thinking of a couple things that uh, we're going to, I'm going to share with the team and enact as soon as I can get home. Yeah. And I think that there's an adventure in, uh, I love Coach Saban saying the same thing that, you know, before you can win, you, you've got to you've got to fail and you've yeah. got to have some adversity. And, uh, you know, people yearn for three things in life. They learn for identity, purpose and the adventure. And I love the adventure part of 
figuring out the things that we can do better. And I know you do as well. Yeah. Now I know Dewey was, was one of your mentors or, or the mentor in your life. What, what made Dewey, what was it about Dewey that, um, that you latched on to that, what was his strength that, that made you a better leader? Well, first he's uh, just awfully kind. Uh, I've never seen him angry. <laughs> and, uh, even when I knew he was angry, boy, you would not know he was angry. He hit it well. Uh, just a kind gentleman. Um, Super smart, very eloquent, always knew the right thing to say, uh, was very, very good at, uh, was still is, uh, he is a phenomenal active listener. And then he rechallenges you, uh, for whatever your issue may be or what you're coming to him for advice is to fi- go back and refigure it out yourself. Uh, he, he plays the, uh, the five questions very well. How can I help? And, uh, what would you, what do you think that you would do and yeah. what else? And, uh, and he was doing that long before, uh, Michael Gumbay Steiner wrote the book, but he has also been just super hyper focused on just doing one, one thing at a time, focusing on the one thing that we're really, really, really good at and perfecting that and perfecting that he's not scatterbrained. I learned that, you know, there's always something niche. And then, you know, people are always, and you and I know people like that, where one month they're chasing this and the next month there's something completely different. So he really got us to uh, put our blinders on and focus on the thing that we could have the biggest impact grow in our business. He taught us that we're a growth organization. Uh, and he taught me a tremendous amount about being a learning organization. And how often do you say that your organization is a learning organization? And if the answer is no, that's okay. But he taught me that for us to become a growth organization, we had to become a learning organization. And the reason why is nobody is teaching us how to succeed in home services. Our businesses are full of uh, technicians and plumbers and and old salespeople. And, uh, you know, we have to go to the, the outside world or into conferences like this to uh, share with other people, but he really started challenging us in the matter of education. Um, and then the third thing is he taught us to, that we were a support organization. Uh, we needed to support each other. Uh, we needed to, uh, support the things that would matter for the customer. And so we set up these pillars and he modeled the behavior and, uh, just a classic, classic person of, uh, doing it the right way and largely doing it uh without a lot of fanfare and you know kind of keeping to yourself and uh but a giant in the industry for sure well that let's uh, let's delve into that you you've kept a pretty low profile in our industry in some sense not that people didn't know about you but you were not that guy and and i'm not either that goes out on social media as an influencer does podcasts or whatever we're starting to do some of that now but we've pretty much kept a fairly low profile, yet have built uh, big organizations. Why that? Or uh, for you, what was was that important to you that you kept a low profile? Or what? Why? Uh, why haven't you been out there as much as maybe some others? I don't know if it's really a strategy. I think that's just how God made me. Uh, I'm shy, and um, you know, I'm uh, in front of our people. Yeah, that's that's where all my energy and my passion is uh, outside of our organization. I don't mind doing things like this. I don't mind getting out, but I, I'm a little bit of a homeboy, and I would just work all the time. And so I, I don't think it was really a strategy, but just 
maybe I'm probably the last generation that really grew up, came of age without the internet. I mean, it was coming out as, you know, and so I just don't, I, we grew up not knowing what we missed. Right. And so yeah. I just, uh, I don't, I don't need to share with people what I had for dinner last night or where we went on vacation last week. And if you do, that's great. I, I cheer that on, but I've just sort of kept a low profile because of that and concentrated on the work at hand. Yeah. You and I are the same way. I remember when I was in high school, I no, played sports and, um, and I was pretty good at school. So I got letters and these stars, whatever. So my mom bought me this sweater and she knitted or she sewed on all the letters, whatever. And, uh, I wore that sweater once to school. Uh, and I said, I'm never wearing that again. <laughs> Cause I just didn't want people to think that yeah. that's who I was. Yeah. But it, you know, I, I'm more a sneak up on you kind of guy because yeah. I want, I cheer for my competitors like I would at a blackjack table. I want everyone to win. I just want to win at a higher level. And so, but really that, you know, some people ask me like, why do you share like what you share? Well, one, I share what I share because none of it's a secret anyway. It's not like I'm coming up with some unique thing that you haven't heard. I might have a different spin on it. But really, when we all win, that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll win at a higher level, uh, because I'm, I'm competitive that way. But, um, building up the people, there's people in this room that are from the Phoenix area that are my competitors. Uh, uh, Mike over there from uh, Bumblebee, uh, he and I are working on what his slogan should be. I mean, he's, he's texting me at 630 in the morning. Did you think anything? Uh, it was like, <laughs> But when we all help each other, which is part of why I think we're all here, then we all build each other up and there's plenty of business for everyone. So that, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think now you, you wrote a book. I wrote a book. So did you? I did. Yeah. I, why, why did you write the book? So a lot of people had always said, Hey, Paul, you should write a book. And I always wanted to, but just never found the time. And then uh, it's kind of an interesting story because I went to my wife and I said, Hey, I'm going to need about six weeks of alone time. I'll do it at night and on weekends. We'll work during the day. She worked with me at Parker and Sons, but at night and on the weekends, I'm going to uh, need uh, some alone time. And she said, why? What's wrong? I said, there's nothing wrong. Uh, I'm going to write a book. She goes, write a book. Uh, you don't even like reading. I go, <laughs> I go, I didn't say I was going to read it. Uh, and so anyway, I, I, I put the outline together and, uh, I started writing it. I'm a pretty uh, good writer. So it went pretty quick, but it was a way for me to share one with the industry and two with my family and, uh, everyone, you know, somebody challenged me one time, you know, you can figure anything out, but, You'll never figure out how to live forever. And writing that book was a way of, or, or, or I get emotional just talking about it, of sharing what I know and um, living forever. Yeah. You? Well, absolutely. I mean, Mr. Jenkins told me, Forgotten Principles, that's the name of the book I wrote. I just, over these years, I hold, heard so many things that Mr. Jenkins said, and we don't live forever. And, when, and I'm not going to live forever. And uh, Mr. Jenkins was never going to write the book. Uh, that's just not his style. And I just felt like we needed to, we needed to get this on record. 
because our book is chock full of the most important ideals and fundamentals that we believe in, it's what new members of our team, it's the very first thing they get on day one. I realize not every one of them is going to crack it open or read it on night one, uh, but most, most do. And it was a way for us to capture that and tell a very real story. Uh, the book's not about me. The book is about these things that I heard Mr. Jenkins say over 25 years that were just, uh, they're time-tested. Uh, they're kind of Old Testament uh, to agree, but they work. Man, they work. And I think a lot of them have been forgotten. And yeah, so we were able to capture that around a story uh, that's very real. Uh, Dewey came from nothing. Uh, I didn't come from much. And uh, we worked hard to, uh, and we found each other. I found him. And uh, man, I just had to get everything recorded. And we were able, we had a great partner, Roy Williams, to really helped us uh, put the narrative to it and the language to it, uh, that real story. So now, now, now I wrote it not to sell a book. You don't write it to sell a book. Right. I didn't write it for anybody in this room. I wrote it for our team members. Yeah. Along the way, uh, somebody said you should send it to your customers. In fact, your club members. And so we've uh, we've now produced well over a hundred thousand books. Uh, the vast majority we've given away for free. And when it does sell, it always sells in like six, eight, ten, twelve. It, you know, a management team somewhere has found it, and uh, that's all for free. So, now did you ever do the audible? I'm doing the audible, Paul. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I it was a big project to write the book, and uh, I'm on I'm through chapter nine right now. And you you did the book in Audible. You yeah. took the time, like a couple yeah. days, right? Uh, yeah, a day and a half. Yeah, yeah. So I in about three hours I got through through chapter nine, but it was three grueling hours. It's not easy to uh, uh, speak in a sound booth like yeah. that. Yeah, out yeah. There, so. yeah. It'll be out soon in Audible. Yeah, nah, that's all. So. One of the things that I always get asked is what what's the number one mistake that contractors make in our industry? What would that be for you, you think? For contractors in general, not Morris Jenkins. Well, we all make a lot of mistakes. It's hard to narrow down a number one, right? <laughs> right. I mean, just being humble about it. We uh, We mess up a lot. We screw up a lot. I only know how to answer that from a growth mindset, which everybody in this room should be, but not every home contractor is. And I think that I just, I've seen a lot of contractors, uh, competitors, or just folks in other town that uh, they don't think big enough. They, they think too small. They can't get out of their own way to truly grow and scale their business. And um, so one of the number one things I, I think they don't do is is purposely get outside to the outside world to find the best of that outside world to bring back to their organization and then actually take action and in, implement it, uh, have some accountability toward it and grow their business. And I think that your number one is going to be a little bit different. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. No, actually, it's not. I mean, I used to say pricing because small contractors, you know, never price right or this, that, or the other. 
But I actually um, would say a similar thing is that, you know, we, there's three costs in life. The, the three biggest costs, if you ask people, they would say the house is maybe number third. Taxes is second between, you know, the federal income tax, the state tax, the real estate tax, the sales tax, the inheritance tax. The, like everyone here is going to end up paying about 50% or whatever you make is going to taxes. That's your second biggest cost. And then I always say the biggest cost is not knowing or not implementing. And if I said there's one thing that and you all here and me included are learning so much that the knowing part you're solving by being here, the implementing part is the tough part and uh, going back and actually picking something and implementing it and not a hundred other things at the same time, like you're saying, really is where the rubber meets the road. What Parker and Sons got pretty good at and then sometimes we fall off and then we get good at it, but it is in the implementing. I mean, we can implement something very, very well. And, uh, you know, even a mediocre idea really implemented well can really take off on you. So it, it uh, so a yeah, similar if, if it's worth doing, even if it's worth doing half ass, you know, do it half ass, come back and perfect it later. Yeah. Another lesson that I, I know a lot of people in this room have learned i saw i saw that in action with with my mentor you know, mr jenkins i know yeah. you've you've seen that too if it's worth doing don't wait to perfect it get it out there as messed up as it is you can always come back and polish it up a little bit yeah you you spent a lot of time we spend three things in life time money and energy and to some extent those things are finite at any given time but you have spent a lot of time money and energy on training Training is, I know, important to you in, in our group at Wrench. Um, and I credit Ken and, uh, the leadership at Wrench who just believes wholeheartedly in training, but you've taken it to another level, some of which all of us are trying to emulate. But could you speak a little bit about the various training that you do and how that has impacted your business? Sure. Well, like everybody else, I mean, we, we couldn't find tradespeople. Uh, Dewey Jenkins started, I was still uh, in sales at the time. This was probably circa 08, 09. Uh, he started a program called Rising Stars. And uh, we graduated a number of people to become maintenance technicians in HVAC. The program graduated a handful or two of some phenomenal people still with us uh, the, and, and just leading capacities, directors, chief hubs now. But the program had petered out. And so as a rookie manager coming out of the truck in late 2011, my very first job, a priority advantage technician manager. And I was going to want to restart this, this trades program. Ground up, no experience. I hated the name Rising Stars. I thought about like the, the what was it back in the 80s, the NBC public, or the more you know. You know I was just like, nah, we got to change that. So we called it what it was, Tech Builder. And we started with our first class in 2012. I had about 16 people to start. We graduated about 12, a uh, very fast paced 10 to 12 week program. And at the end, they are masters and commanders of their own ship on the high seas of HVAC home services, running calls as a maintenance tech. And I was so jealous and envious because back when I did it, it was, you know, threw me in a truck with Chuck for a couple of weeks. And it was like, <laughs> see if you can figure this out, kid. 
But we just started doing that. We said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this multiple times throughout the year. And we had two supervisors. And what I knew is I was, we, our supervisors were overwhelmed, but I took one of the two and made them the full-time trainer. So I about brought our service department to its knees because we lost our direct supervision. But if you already know this, make sure you have people that are actually training, full-time training. Don't try to have somebody do quasi-training where they train on the side. And uh, yeah, that's where it went. Tech builder, later tech builder and build a plumber as we got into full-service plumbing. But the bigger vision of that was Morris Jenkins University. And what's the purpose of it? And the purpose of it is Nobody trained me the proper role of a manager. Nobody taught me how to manage conflict, how to even engage in it. Nobody's ever taught me how to really scale a high-performing home service business. Nobody taught me how to build a team. And I was having a lot of team troubles at that time, trying to build a cohesive team. So we have these epic epic people in our industry, whether it be a Patrick Lincioni or a Marcus Buckingham or a Howard Gutman and these books that we were reading, would it be possible for us to build bachelor and maybe even master level courses off of these, these fundamentals? And they had become the six fundamentals at Morris Jenkins. And Dewey Jenkins, being the epic teacher that he is, would not always be there to teach it. He had it in his heart, and I'm not the teacher. So as such, we're going to have to have a teaching system. And so it started with a, a, a lady that I thought a lot of. Uh, her daughter and my daughter played uh, fast pitch softball together. She was a school teacher. She was teacher of the year. She texted me out of the blue one day and said, I'm leaving the school system. I'm like, you're the principal of the school now. And she <laughs> said, I'm leaving. I've had it. And I said, well, come, come talk to us. And maybe, you know, I, I needed an assistant at the time. And I just said, no way not my assistant, you need to teach at Morris Jenkins University. And she later became our, our chancellor. And so we've now hired multiple teachers. Uh, these are folks with masters in education that fit our culture. Uh, we have uh, 11 people in Morris Jenkins University, all doing education and training full-time. And we have now the leadership and management classes built in. These are in-person classes. Uh, most are two days. Some go all week. Most have a follow-up class with actionable items uh, uh, two months, three months, four months later. We actually do our own internal training mastery now. So we are training the trainers uh, so that we're going to need a whole bunch more trainers. Where are we going to find them? We're going to promote from within. So we find those people that are altruistic and want to be educators themselves and really scale this whole thing up. And when I now that I'm talking through this, that's a scary big kin. That's a big number, right, that we spend on that. But it doesn't matter because the investment is just insane what right. you get. Much like Parker, we we hire for character and we train for skill and and we promote from within. And the promotion from within part will come with the education that we have. So growth organization, learning organization, where are they going to learn? You're going to have to do it. And it's very hard when you have 20 employees, 30 employees, 40 employees, but I get that. But the dream of it should be building an education system alongside your path for growth because who's going to do it for you? Yeah. Uh, the plumbers and the techs and the electricians and the garage door techs of this world are not, uh, uh, they, they don't have a lot of MBAs. They haven't been classically trained. And even if they did, did that really train them for how, what they need to do and how they do it? So we got really, really serious 
and made some massive investments in that. Yeah, I always say that, you know, you take a technician in our industry, whether I'm guessing whether it's in garage doors or roofing or HVAC, and, uh, you know, a, uh, a technician will spend, maybe go to a trade school, spend nine months. They, they take the first three to five years learning the trade, getting really good at it, and mastering that skill. And then they spend the rest of their lives trying to get out of it because it's not, it's not an easy job. Uh, no one wants to be in a 160-degree attic in uh, Phoenix, Arizona when you're uh, 60 years old. And, uh, and so creating a path that people can move up and out, um, and uh, whether it be into sales or whether it be into leadership, and there's, you know, we all talk when we get together about the shortage of uh, technicians, and there is a shortage of technicians, and so we have to grow our own. But there's a shortage of leadership, too. And if, if we want to bring our companies to the next level and continue the growth that, that I know we all want, we're going to have to invest in the training of, of those leaders. And, uh, and I go back to how they think. I, you've heard the phrase, if you teach or if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. For me, thinking is teaching that guy to fish because he can start to figure things out without, you know, without help when, when you can think a little bit differently. Right. Yeah. I was thinking this morning about the accountability piece of that too with our education system. We've, we found a good learning management system. So uh, we can tell who's logging in, who's not who's taking starting a class and completing it, who's not. So when, you know, Timmy the tech comes and says, man, I've been here a long time. Yep, time for me to get out of the truck. <laughs> you know, one of the first things, and I saw we got a supervisor job opening up. I'm like, we sure do, Timmy. But in my mind, I'm like, I want to check. Has Timmy been building himself right. through this education system that we have? And, you know, you're rooting for it, and you hope when you log on that you see that, man, he has been taking these classes. He is developing himself. Right he's probably going to have a good interview with whoever that hiring manager is. And gosh darn it, I'm thinking good thoughts and I want Timmy to get it. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, they just think they're entitled, then they've got to get out of the truck and that becomes your supervisor or your trainer or your teacher. And what have you done to help build that person? And so it's, it's gone to a whole other level where we off to the side, uh, we actually have online courses and really center around personal development. So when you think of personal development, well, on my mountain is Jim Rohn. And so uh, we have Dave Ramsey's Smart Dollar program in there that, that we pick up and, and help them get started for their family. So there's a lot of things that we have for them on their own there that we can track their progress. But it's in those in-person classes built around the fundamentals that we chose. doesn't mean that those fundamentals have to be your fundamentals, but it's a way to communicate that and get that broadly throughout the organization and get some really great education, get it built into their veins. Yeah. Yeah, it's what they do on their own that, that is a litmus test for me, what they're willing to do on their own time, on their own dime, on their, you know, a lot of them will say, hey, I want the training. Are you going to pay me? And not that we wouldn't, right? But if that's your first question, like... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the last question. Right, yeah. right. So I know the call center is near and dear to your heart. It's the one thing we've talked about uh, in some of the conversations here. It's the one thing that can get my blood pressure off the charts. 
every call that comes in is ever is anywhere from a wrong number to somebody kicking tires to a vendor to a solicitor to a tune-up to a repair to a one system lead to a five system lead it's anywhere from a zero call to a fifty thousand dollar call right and so that's why you have to answer all the calls right do you you answer all the calls or do you have the press one press two uh we we do have a press one press two to get it to the right but we do answer all the calls okay yeah live Yeah. yeah it is one of those things that and i think i think ish said it this morning is like a lot of contractors don't do well i know you and I and, and our team talked about it on one of the calls, and it seems like you do a pretty good job when you're not busy. Um, but when you get busy, you maybe don't do as, as good a job. And no one here would make the decision to not answer a $50,000 call. No one would. But yet every day in every location, in every company, you're making that decision, whether you realize it or not. And so it's a matter of answering every call. Then it's about booking the call um, and making the most out of the business. If if we got good at one thing when I first bought the company, we didn't have much money to spend in advertising. It's making more out of the business you already get. I mean, why make the phone ring more when you can make more out of the business you already have? So Talk. I know your call center might be one of the best within the wrench group. I don't know how it compares with the people here, but I know that's important to you. Talk about that and, and making it easy for uh, people to do business with you. Yeah, I mean, we were. Uh, it's it's not an innovation anymore, but we were the only one in in our market to truly be open on the weekends and in the evenings at no additional charge. So we we pioneered that in our town. Uh, in fact, our, our brand promise was we're here till midnight and we've got the answer. And when I say we're open to midnight, uh, we still are. We're open to midnight seven days a week. Call center is open. Uh, warehouse is open. Parcel delivery is open. And we just found that if we're going to make it easy, there's a lot of people busting their arms, working a lot, and then they get home on the weekends or the hours. And if they want us at eight o'clock at night, that needs to be the convenient time for us to be able to get there. Our competition howled at the moon. <laughs> Look at them. They're working their techs 200 hours a week. God bless them. And, uh, but they didn't realize that we had created multiple shifts and it was, uh, we volunteered like who wants to work the evening shift? And we were blown away at how many people would prefer to come on and start at noon or one or 2 PM and work into the evening. And yeah, I mean, we'll run a maintenance call at eight o'clock on a Sunday night. And so we did that. And in the call center, it's about answering every call. And it's about answering it as fast as possible. One of my KPIs that I look at every day, that our ops team looks at it every day, is the answer speed time. I mean, we get we get nasty if that thing gets above six seconds, seven seconds. And I'm talking about the time that they probably put their ear to the phone before they get a live human being. So we chose to answer all calls, no press one, no press two, uh, staff up our call center for that, and then... While doing that, let's make it easy because a lot of people don't want to talk to folks. So uh, you can book a call with our company uh, by hitting just one button, put in some very brief information. It's actually automated. There's no human element on the back end. And you can pick that and we're either through that or text or email. 
or chat. I mean, we're doing you just making it extraordinarily easy for those folks to to book a call. And our call center uh, training is is very good. Yet as good as it is, we were just talking at lunch about how painful it is to actually listen to your own phone <laughs> yeah. calls. Yeah. And uh, it reminds me of the check plan do process. Man, you need to be back at your place checking everything as a consumer would. And then you get together and figure out that, you know, there's some things we could do better. You plan out what that action is. You do it and you got to come back and recheck it and recheck it. If you're only listening to your call center and how they answer the call and listening to those calls is painful. But if you're only doing that once in a blue moon uh, and nobody else is listening to it, that's a disservice. So you really need to check on that. We've got some good folks and we've got some folks that display a tremendous amount of empathy. And I know your call center does as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know we spent a lot of time trying to answer the, the phones well, book that call and then end, end every call with some other opportunities. So if they're calling in for plumbing, we're going to end that with an HVAC uh, tune up. That's a way for the uh, CSRs to earn extra money as well. So we've got CSRs making seventy-five, eighty, ninety thousand dollars just answering the phone. And, uh, and that's fun to see. Yeah. Yeah. Our number one, uh, CSR in selling club memberships sold over 800 club memberships last year. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, they are the front door of the business and they get the first dibs at even just offering a club membership. So, uh, before the tax or the plumbers or any of the field personnel can. So, well, we have about four minutes and I know, I know you want to tell a joke. No, you're the jokester. <laughs> You don't have a good joke for him? Uh, mine are pretty corny, uh, clean yeah. joke. Well, mine are all dirty, but oh, really? Yeah, but uh, but I, I, I have one. Joke. I have one clean one. Go ahead. Me first? Yeah, go ahead. All right, you're gonna. Tell okay, one? I'll tell mine first. Yours is gonna right. be better. Uh, <laughs> clean joke. I mean, mine are ridiculous. What do you get when you cross a? Uh, oh, let's see. What is it? What do you get when you cross somebody that's an insomniac, dyslexic, and agnostic? Somebody that stays up all night wondering if there's a dog. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. You yes. You yeah. look slow, but you get it. Okay. All right. There's these three guys. You know how guys love to brag. Frank, do you know that? <laughs> Some do. Anyway, these three guys are bragging, and they're bragging about how far they can remember back. And the first guy starts off, he goes, well, I remember when I first came out of my mom. Doctor spanked me, I cried. It was like dramatic. There was nurses, they were throwing stuff. It was yelling. I'll never forget that. Second guy says, that's nothing. He goes, I remember being in my mom's tummy, swimming around. There's people poking at you. It's like, it was the craziest time. He goes, I remember that like it was yesterday. Third guy says, that's nothing. He goes, I remember going to the prom with my dad and coming home with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got, we got some time. That's a clean one for me. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> All right, we got, we got two minutes for some questions if anybody wants to ask anything or... Anybody got any uh, questions they want to ask of Jonathan? Or okay, yeah. Sammy, really only got time for one, so it's just you, buddy. We'll make it pretty simple. Thank you, guys. If you had to attribute one thing to your growth, it could be be at any part of the journey. What do you think the the the, the one thing that you would contribute to that had the largest factor in your growth? 
What's the one thing that contributed to our to, to the growth, the trajectory of the growth. sustained growth in the company? Um, so I'm much different than you heard today about how I consider goals. I am a small goal person. I'm not a big goal person. I don't reach for the stars um, so I can hit the moon. I reach for the next rung on the ladder and pull myself up and then try and figure out how to get to the next rung. So I created a culture of doing that. And in that, it was small goals. And then we would celebrate. Then we would reset our goals. And I never really had a goal to be a $250 million company. Uh, that never entered my mind. It, and it still is today. It was about winning and feeling that win uh, and blowing away the budgets that we put in front of Ken and others along the way. And when you get a culture of winning at a really high level and beating all expectations, then that becomes your expectation. And in the early days, it was mostly and still is about making more out of the business you already get. Um, and that was about, you know, answering the phone well. And when you go out, average ticket and close rates and all the things, and I totally agree with uh, Coach Saban. It was like, it, for us, it's not about uh, the result. It's more about the activity that leads to the result and getting really good at something. And we started to get really good at certain things that then drove the revenue. Um, but uh, uh, does that answer your question? For me, why don't you... You want to answer the same? Yeah, just real quick. And I would say uh, you're doing it right now. Get it outside of your organization. Find the best of the outside world. It was so instrumental over the years. CSG, Airtime 500, Nexstar, uh, even uh, events like Gazelles with uh, Verharnish, putting together great mixed group sharing groups. Uh, the time that you invest outside of your business to find the best of that outside world and then just find the one or two things at a time to bring back to your organization and actually implement. Those will be huge investments. So you're doing it right now. And hopefully you've got several pages of notes and ideas and thoughts that you can take back home. That will be instrumental if you're going to be a growth organization. But, but do one thing, because uh, there's this one guy, I won't say who he is, but he would always come to these things and he'd have a page, you know, six pages of notes. And he loved coming to here. He got so many ideas and so many ideas and uh, he finally asked me one time, he goes, I, I'm still not, like, I'm still not doing well. And I said, I said, you need to quit coming to these things. Like, start implementing something because you know enough, you've learned enough, but like, you learning more isn't the problem. You implementing something is. And make sure that you leave here and pick one or two things and implement it. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Thank you. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, Here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile. 
scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.